0: The waiting is the hardest part. For the first two years of college, uh, Tara and I did the whole long-distance relationship thing where I was in Tennessee and she was here in Indiana. And in the end, it all worked out. Like, everything's good, but there was a time when I wasn't so sure. Uh, It was difficult. We spent a lot of time talking on the phone. I should clarify that. We spent a lot of time on the phone. There wasn't a whole lot talking she would ask me, how's your day? Good. What'd you do today? Went to class, had practice. What are you doing tonight? Studying. And it went like this day after day, on and on. These were our conversations. The waiting was the hardest part. If I could just see her, things would, would be okay. If I could just spend time together, then, then everything would be all right we'd wait weeks, months without seeing each other, and it was difficult. What are you waiting for right now? In your life, well, what are you waiting on? Maybe you're here today, and you're waiting for a spouse. Someone to walk through life with. And with every passing day, the wait gets harder. You look around, and you see so many other couples that seem happy, and you think, When's it going to be my turn? Maybe you've worked for 45 years and, and you're waiting for retirement. You're ready for a break. You're ready to, to see things and do things that you haven't been able to do. For, for so much of, of your life, you put things on the back burner. Maybe you're young and you just feel stuck. And you're thinking, I just can't wait till I get out of this town. I get it. Maybe you're waiting on that promotion. You've worked hard, you're qualified, you've put in the time, and now you're just waiting. Maybe you've been feeling sick, and you've had some tests run, and now you're waiting for the results. Or maybe you've been beaten up and down, and you can't seem to catch a break. You've taken punch after punch in life. And you're waiting for things to get better. You're waiting for things to turn around. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're waiting for the sermon to be over. All of us have been waiting for something. We're all waiting for something right now. The question isn't whether or not we wait. The question is how do we wait well. We've been studying the book of James together over the last seven weeks, and. James is writing to Christians who are feeling discouraged because they've been oppressed at the hands of the rich. And here in chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, James speaks very forcefully and strongly as he warns these rich people who have lived for themselves and they've exploited the poor in the process. And so these believers, they're getting fed up. They're losing hope. They're losing focus of God's promises. They're losing patience in the waiting. And so James gives them a much-needed course correction in verse 7. We're going to read this passage together. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. In light of all the suffering that these believers have experienced, James's command to be patient seems incredible. James has laid into the rich oppressors, listing their awful offenses. And after that, we might expect James to say something like, Be furious. Be outraged. But that wouldn't be right. Or maybe we would expect him to say something like, Just give up in despair. Your situation's hopeless. The rich hold all the power. Nothing is going to change. But that response would be wrong too because it would be an affirmation of the values of the rich, saying that their materialistic power is the only goal to live for. So both giving into the world and attacking the world are wrong. James presents a third way, a better way. He says, be patient, and then spends the next five verses explaining how we can be patient. How can you and I wait well? To begin, James says, we wait well when we practice patience. We practice patience. Again, let's look at verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. In order to be patient, we have to practice patience. And patience is not something that comes naturally. Patience is learned. And we learn patience by being put in situations where we have to be patient. And we don't like that. We're more often like the guy who prayed, Lord, give me patience right now. When Timex, the watch company, asked people how long they would wait before taking action in a number of different situations, researchers discovered that we will only wait 13 seconds before we honk at a car in front of us that stopped at a green light. I'd probably be less than that. We'll only wait 26 seconds before we shush people who are talking in the movie theater. We'll only wait 26 seconds before we take the seat of someone who's walked away. We'll only wait 45 seconds before we ask someone who's talking too loud on their cell phone to keep quiet. We'll only wait 13 minutes for a table at a restaurant. We'll only wait 20 minutes for a blind date to show up before we leave. And we'll only wait 20 minutes for the last person to show up for Thanksgiving dinner before we dig in. Now, me personally, I'm kind of a mixed bag when it comes to patience. There are some things that I'm incredibly patient with, and there are other things that I'm completely impatient. And as I thought about it this week, it really comes down to expectations. When I expect something to take a certain amount of time, and it takes a lot longer, I get impatient. I get impatient when I have to wait for appointments. If I have an appointment at 10 o'clock and I don't get seen until 1017, each passing minute just eats away at me. I think to myself, I wouldn't be so impatient if I didn't have to wait so long. You know what it's like when you drive somewhere and you're using Apple Maps or Google Maps or Waze and it gives you that estimated time of arrival? Now, I'm not sure if this is a guy thing or what, but nothing gets my competitive juices flowing like trying to beat the estimated time of arrival. If it says that we're going to get there at 2.49 p.m., I think challenge accepted. Surely I can shave off a couple of minutes. And then when you run into traffic or you get detoured, it takes longer, I get impatient. And I know part of it is living in a modern world. We live in an industrial society where we have incredible technological advancements. And so we've been accustomed to getting things now, getting things quickly. We have drive throughs and Amazon shipping. Russian comedian Yakov Smirnov he shared that when he immigrated to the United States, the thing that he loved the most was the grocery stores. He said, I'll never forget walking down the aisles and seeing powdered milk. Just add water and you get milk. Right next to it was powdered orange juice. Just add water and you get orange juice. And then I saw baby powder. And I thought to myself, what a country. (laughs) And it can be tempting to think that everything in life is easy. And so when we do wait, It causes problems in our lives. And James addresses this. To help us practice patience, James gives us a reason, an example, and a consequence. The reason to be patient is Christ's return. In in, in God's story of redemptive history, that is the only thing we are waiting on. It's Christ's return. In the beginning, God created the world. Humanity sinned. It severed the relationship between God and man. The sacrifices of the Old Testament was a temporary system pointing to God's ultimate answer for sin and restoration in his Messiah. And the Messiah came. God provided atonement for sins through sending Jesus. Jesus was born. He lived a sinless life. He died, was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Then he ascended to heaven. God sent down his Holy Spirit to dwell in the lives of believers. The church was started to proclaim his glory under this new covenant. All of that has already happened. And the only thing we are waiting on now is for Christ to return and to establish a new heavens and a new earth. You see, church, what you're waiting for influences how well you wait. And Jesus is saying we should live every day as though Jesus could return today. He'll judge everyone, including me. How different would we live? How patient would we be in how we judge people if we remembered that we could be judged by God today? Martin Luther famously said, there are two days in my calendar. This day and that day. And James seems to have been the same way. When you read how many times he talks about Jesus coming back in his letter. Do we live like that? I think it may be an insight into how God sees time as well. I rush and and I hurry and and I get impatient because I live by the clock and, and I live by my schedule. But God looks at heaven's calendar And right now, ever since Jesus came to the earth the first time, it still says today. And what's today? I think Sunday. Today's Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. God says today is the day of salvation. What time is it? I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere around 10 a.m. God says now is the time of my favor. And so now is the time for us to be saved by his grace and get the word out to the world about his favor, whatever day, while there is still time. See, God is eternal, so he's never in a rush. The Bible says that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. So ever since Jesus went to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God in glory, it's only been a couple of days to God. But one day... Time will literally run out, and it will be the day. What day? The day of the second coming of Christ. The day of judgment. The Apostle Peter wrote that it's most important to understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing, saying, when's it going to happen? But the return of Christ, it hasn't happened yet. It's never going to happen. But one day the Father will say, it's that day. The word James uses in the Greek is parousia. It means arrival. Are we ready for the day when Christ will arrive in glory to judge the living and the dead? The heaven opens. The King of kings and Lord of lords appears wearing many crowns on his head. and, And every eye sees him and every knee bows before him. And Peter says the reason that that day hasn't happened yet is because God is patient. He wants to give more time for more people to realize that today is the day of salvation and choose an eternity with Him rather than an eternity separated from Him. Peter says it this way, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Instead, He is... Patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I can tell you that God has been so loving, so patient with me. The everlasting God is giving people time to get ready now for eternity. So so the reason to be patient is Christ's return. The example to help us practice patience is that of the farmer. Again, the future return of Christ is the event that motivates Christians to persevere patiently through suffering. In the life of a farmer, the autumn and spring rains have a similar role. If the farmer couldn't hope for the rain to come, then all the planting and all the plowing would be futile. Throughout the Old Testament, rain is a standard image of God's promised faithfulness. We see it in Jeremiah 5 verse 24, Joel chapter 2 verse 23, Deuteronomy 11 verse 14 says, Then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, that you may gather your grain, new wine, and olive oil. Rain is a picture of God's gracious provision. And God has promised these rains. Therefore, the farmer can be patient in his work. Even so, God has promised Christ's return. Therefore, we can be patient in our hardships. Think about crops, whether it's corn or beans. If you drive out on a summer day and you look at the field, and then you drive by the next day, you won't see any noticeable difference. Why? Because growth and maturity takes time. The greatest growth takes place in the waiting. In the same way that a crop is growing into maturity during the waiting to be ready for harvest, God grows our faith and matures us in the waiting. Patiently waiting increases our growth, and impatient restlessness stunts our growth. Henry Nouwen wrote, waiting is a period of learning. The longer we wait, the more we hear about him for whom we are waiting. I resonate with Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Romans 8, through 25. He says, waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. You see, during a time of waiting, a season of waiting, God is vibrantly at work. Within us. So the reason for patience is Christ's return. The example is that of a farmer. The consequence of impatience is grumbling and complaining against one another. James says, don't grumble against one another. The, the trials faced by those suffering Christians would have put their patience to the test. It would have given them plenty of opportunity for, for bickering and, and complaining against one another. And that's what happens when when we feel under pressure. You experience hardships, the pressure mounts, you take it out on others. It could be a difficult marriage or frustrated dreams, it could be fighting at home or a demotion at work. You begin to have a hard time sleeping, you're constantly sick, the pile of, of bills stack up, you're drowning in debt. Christians lose patience with one another under these pressures. And the church becomes infected with a readiness to, to criticize and blame. And so, James corrects this problem by sharing a renewed vision of Christ's imminent return. You see, impatience breeds disdain. Patience focuses on what will gain. Impatience breeds disdain. Patience focuses on what we'll gain. I was talking with a friend recently about how parents act at sporting events. And he said that one of the best pieces of advice that he's ever received is this. That there's no benefit in yelling or complaining to the refs because I've never seen a referee change a call because a parent yelled at them. But I have seen parents make fools of themselves. And in the same way What benefit have you ever received from being impatient? I know in my own life, it's it's only led to bad outcomes. Terrible decision making, selfish desires, conflict in relationships. James talks about how when we're not patiently waiting, we grumble and complain against each other. It's only negative. I mean, who would raise their hand and say, oh, yeah, my life is dramatically better because I've been impatient. Impatience has made me a better spouse, a better father, a better mother, a better employee. No way. So we learn to wait well by practicing patience. Second, James says we wait well when we follow the faithful. We follow the faithful. Verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. And the best snapshot we get of faithful men and women in Scripture is from Hebrews 11. It's known as the great hall of faith. Noah warned about things not yet seen and built the ark when everyone thought he was crazy. Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Sarah considered him faithful, who made the promise. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them at a distance. That is prophetic patience and action. It's not looking back. It's not past-present focus. It's present future-focused. Hebrews 11 lists all these examples of patient faith. Not passive, patient. Waiting on God. Trusting Him. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. Joseph spoke about the exodus from the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. What a prophetic act of faith! Moses, when he grew up, he left Egypt, not fearing the Pharaoh's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, "I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets." who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. But James says that if you want to learn patience, remember these prophets. And I would tell you today, also remember the present day suffering experienced by believers all around the world. Look at what's happening to the persecuted church and look at how so many faithful men and women persevere through hardship and allow their faithful endurance to encourage you to keep on waiting and to trust God while you wait. In Revelation 6, the Apostle John sees a vision of heaven where he hears some of these prophetic martyrs who faithfully proclaimed the word and it cost them their life. They're now crying out from under the altar in heaven and they're asking, how long, O Lord? How long until you judge the earth? And each of them was given a white robe. And they're told in verse 11, just a little longer. They were told to wait just a little while longer. Because now, it's still the day of salvation. Because God is patient. To wait well, we practice patience. We follow the example of the faithful men and women who have gone before us. Third, James says, we wait well. When we hold on to hope. We hold on to hope. Verse 11 says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The best example that James can think of is the example of Job. Job had it all, and he lost everything. He was a good man, nine kids, rich and happy, until Satan's attacks got personal. Thieves took away his property. Lightning struck his possessions. Death took his children. Sickness took its toll. His friends turned out to be hopeless, and his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And that's just the start of the story. So so what does Job do? At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, He fell to the ground and worshipped, and he said in Job chapter 1, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He didn't grumble and complain. He waited, and he worshipped, and he held on to hope. Because the story isn't over. Yes, Job is grieving. He asks questions. Forty chapters of questions as he's waiting. His friends couldn't answer them. And when God shows up, he says, you wouldn't understand even if I told you. And face to face with God, Job knows it's true. Job says, I spoke of things I didn't understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. That's in the last chapter of Job. The story's almost over. But it's not over yet. The book of Job ends with this. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died, an old man, and full of years you see job knew with the prophets and the men and women of hebrews 11 he knew what they knew that god rewards that god blesses those who earnestly seek him because the lord is full of compassion and mercy a great example of this is in genesis chapter 29 jacob is in love with rachel she was a beautiful woman, and Jacob told Rachel's father, Laban, that he would work for him for seven years. And in return, he would receive Rachel as his wife. And Laban agreed to this. And so verse 20 says, So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his great love for her. But if you're familiar with the story, you know that Laban pulls a trick on Jacob and gives his oldest daughter Leah, to Jacob instead of Rachel. It's the old wedding night switcheroo. Jacob is bewildered. He ends up working seven more years for a total of 14 years to get Rachel as his wife. That's a long time. That's 5,110 days of working in Laban's fields waiting. But because Jacob's love for Rachel was so great, In the end, he would say, it was worth the wait. I remember in 2017, 2018, our family took a a big trip to Disney World. And uh, this was right after the ride Avatar Flight of Passage opened at Animal Kingdom. And at the time, it was so popular, people would wait three, four, five hours to, to get on this ride. And so the first day we're there and and we're seeing people get off the ride and they're saying it was incredible, it was great, it it was worth the wait. A few days later we rode it and we felt the same way. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I don't know everything that you're going through today, but I can tell you on the authority of God's word, if you belong to Jesus, when he returns and you see him in all of his glory, you will say, it was worth the wait. One hot afternoon, a certain woman walked to her neighbor's produce stand to buy grapes. The line was long, and each person seemed to get special attention. But she waited patiently. When she finally made it to the front of the line, the owner asked her for her order. She asked for grapes. Please excuse me for a minute, was the response. The owner walked away and disappeared behind a building. And for some reason, this rubbed the woman, this rubbed her the wrong way. Everyone before her was greeted warmly. They were given special attention. And most importantly, they were served immediately. But she was forced to wait. And when she got to the front of the line, she was forced to wait some more. She was offended. She felt the owner took her regular business for granted. And the longer she waited, the angrier she became. Finally, the produce stand owner reappeared. And with a big smile, he presented her with the most beautiful grapes she had ever seen. He invited her to taste them. She had never tasted grapes so good. And as she turned to leave with her delicious grapes, he stopped her and he said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry I kept you waiting. But I needed the time to give you my very best. How long have you been waiting in line for God to get to your request? How long have you been waiting in line for God to to meet a need to solve a problem or open a door? Whatever you do, don't get out of line. Don't stop praying. Wait on God. Because whatever you're going through right now, James says to endure with patience. Hold on to hope. Because when Christ returns, and it is a promise, we can trust Him because He is faithful. When Christ returns, you will say, it was worth the wait. Let's pray together. God, we need patience because we are an impatient people. We don't like the waiting. The waiting is hard because we we think that the waiting is without purpose. But God, your word shows us that, that there's that you do the best work in the waiting. That you shape us, you grow us, you mature us, you bring us to completion in the waiting. And so God, when we look around and we don't know what's going on, would we trust you? When we feel ourselves getting impatient, would, would we look and know that we have a promise that Christ will return? And when that day comes, no matter what we've gone through on this earth, we will say it was worth the wait. God, give us patience. Thank you for being patient. Every day that we have on this earth is an opportunity to choose a relationship with you. To come into a saving relationship with your son, Jesus. God, you have been so, so patient with me. And I would pray that today, if there are people who kind of held you at arm's length, would they recognize today that that your patience is so that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior? God, whatever it is we're going through, help us to wait well, knowing that Christ is coming again soon. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.